With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Congratulations to the Navy Midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcon. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Against All Enemies podcast. We are—I don't know what week it is. What week is it? Seven, eight, 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 eight. So we're like, yeah, we're like halfway through the season, or on the other side of that, almost at this point. Um, it's flying by, but I'm happy to be back with you guys. I was at Disney World last week. We're happy to have you uh, with with a couple four-year-olds, and yeah, so that was something. Um, but yeah, happy to be back. How was everybody's week? Um, it was a good weekend. Solid. Not football weekend, yeah. but a good weekend. <laughs> Nats are currently up 2-0. Mm. Navy had a win, and my Dolphins lost the tank bowl, so all's well. <laughs> That's what you wanted, right? You wanted them to lose uh, the tank bowl. What are the Redskins doing was, trying to win football games? I, I was actually very torn when I saw the two-point conversion play, like six seconds. I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to happen, not going to lie. But yeah. then as soon as he dropped the pass, I was like, yeah, well, all right, that's fine. <laughs> all right. Tank for Tua is alive. The joke was that we uh, we went for Tua. Hey. Uh, ah, <laughs> got it. <laughs> got it. That's, that's a good, good one. Um, all right, well, I missed a lot. Um, obviously, all three teams playing this past weekend. Um, I did actually get to catch the majority of the Navy game. Um, that was our last day, and the kids had just – it was over by that point. We didn't make it past 7.30 um, at Magic Kingdom, so I was back in time to uh, to watch most of the Navy game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Austin, I'll let you kind of start us off. We'll talk Navy football, um, recap, uh, get your takeaways, and then I'll throw in my two cents, and uh, we'll move on from there because pretty convincing win there against Tulsa. Yeah, and it was actually such a, a scary start, I guess you would say, right? So, uh, the fumble on the opening kickoff, and I'm like, what are we doing? Um, they backed it up with a, a good defensive stand and a missed field goal that hit the, uh, hit the uprights, so it's 0-0. But then later on, you think it's 10 nothing Tulsa after the 98-yard touchdown pass that was called back, uh, which was actually a, a crazy play because I saw it live, and I saw the sideline judge throw his hat off, throw it on the ground, which you know usually symbolizes mm-hmm. either a second penalty or that someone was out of bounds. Step. which is yep. what I thought he was identifying, but then he didn't follow it up with a flag. So I remember seeing that like as the play happened, and I was like, I guess, like I don't know, like maybe, I don't you know, I was just trying to figure out why did he throw the flag. And then when the review took longer and longer, I was like, all right, like there might be something here. Um, but that was such a crazy switch, because if Navy's down 10 nothing there, I think this is a very different game. I really do. Um, maybe that's just the the fan in me that's that's 
cautious because Navy still dominated after that. Um, but starting yeah. to nothing, you know, down to nothing would be very different. But no, kind of two stories here. The, the defense just played lights out. Um, held Tulsa to just 67 rushing yards, uh, 200 or 250 or so passing yards, both under Tulsa's averages for both passing and rushing. But a lot of that was actually gained in like the fourth quarter anyway. So through the first three quarters, Navy were just stopping Tulsa on the defense side of the ball. And then on offense, Tulsa had no answers for the running game. Navy runs for 388 yards, had three uh, ball carriers averaging over 10 yards per carry, obviously led by Malcolm Perry. 20 carries, 218 yards, three touchdowns, and good enough for the AAC Offensive Player of the uh, Week. Only had only needed four or five or four pass attempts from Malcolm Perry himself, two for four for nine yards, which is obviously nothing. But it was because everything that Navy was doing, running the ball up the middle, quarterback keep pitching, it just seemed like everything was available to him. And that's actually been like a a trend when Navy's played against Coach Montgomery or Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. It seems like Navy's just been able to run at will against them. Um, and the worry was that Tulsa, if you're a Navy fan, that Tulsa's defense had improved. The statistics didn't exactly show it because they did have a tough schedule. Like, they have a tough schedule this year. Um, so you're worried about that at the start, but obviously we talk about this, and I think Scott always likes to say we, we pumped the team's tires up a little bit. Um, but this was not a game that I would have predicted Navy winning 45-17. to 17. Obviously Vegas didn't think that either. It had as a pick em. Uh But Navy, with a convincing win, um, and both sides of the ball were just truly dominating. So it was it was a, the most complete Navy win we've seen since 2017, right? Like early first half 2017. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess I I think I know what you would what you say here, and um, but I, but I could be wrong. But you know, so what's some, we're five games in now, four and one, have the first leg of the CIC trophy behind us, um, and sitting at two and one. Uh, in conference play, and now Memphis lost this past week in a crazy game to Temple, um, and so we're right back in, you know, the the race for the AAC West, perhaps. And so coming into this season, um, certainly didn't expect to be at four and one at this point. I don't think, right? I mean, we can both admit that. Um, so, what are you more surprised? Is it is it the defense and the way they're playing, or is it the way that the offense, kind of to your point, has basically been able to do whatever they want in most games? Um, outside of maybe Air Force and Memphis. It's, it's got to be the defense for me. I mean, you know, being a Navy fan and seeing uh, Paul Johnson and Coach Ken kind of, and Ivan Jasper put a solid offense together on a more, you know, on a regular basis, right? Last year was obviously a down year. You could say the, the latter half of 2017 was down as well. But for the most part, you expect Navy offense to be able to put running games together on, on the norm, running over 300 yards. Um, but this is... This defense is nothing like we've ever seen in the, like the modern Navy football era, right? I mean, this is something that I didn't expect to see, especially in year one. Uh, I think, you know, if I expected maybe to see a more inconsistent offense that was applying pressure, or maybe giving up more big plays or something, uh, where maybe we were like, hey, we're a year away from having a really good defense. But what we've seen so far is definitely, I think, been the most impressive aspect of Navy football through five games. Yeah, so if you would have told if you would have told me at the beginning, I agree with you. By the way, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Navy was the after five games was the leading rushing team in the country, I would have been like, oh, that's plausible. Like, I mean, it happens, you know, frequently. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that um, the the defense would be a top sixteen defense in in total defense five games in, I would have laughed at you um, because I just you know couldn't couldn't have foreseen it. Um, gelling as quickly and to your point i think that the the expectation would be like oh we'd, we'd get some more sacks 
get some more pressure on the quarterback. Um, but in doing so, it, it's just the installation of a new system. We're going to give up big plays. There's going to be a lot of that kind of broken coverage stuff, um, and there has been some of that. But for the most part, I mean, it's just been ridiculous, um, you know, how good the team has been. And another one that I think is, is a big deal is uh, Navy is in the top ten. They're the ninth best rushing defense in the country so far. Um, they're giving up 86 yards a game. Oh, um, rushing yards per game. I mean, I, I don't know. That's it's it's been super impressive, uh, and one of the biggest things for me. And then we can just we we can move on. Um, you know, beyond the Navy game because I think you hit a lot of the, the high points. Is just you're starting to see the young guys trickle in um, on both sides yeah. of the ball. And like, and coming in this year, that was one of my biggest concerns. Like, okay, we're gonna get this year with Malcolm. I don't know what we're gonna get. And on the defensive side of the ball, I really don't know what we're gonna get. But beyond this, like what what's coming behind, um, and this is always most I mean service academies in general tend to be more senior heavy, um, but you know, I mean you're just starting to see on defense and offense guys like Jamel Carruthers had a big game, and and Michael Cooper is obviously still only a true sophomore, and um, we're getting we haven't seen a ton of Perry Olson, but we're getting Perry Olson in there right. Nelson Smith still only a junior; he's got a year a year left. Um, and so, yeah, the, the seniors and Perry and, and, and Taz Malloy and, yep, and so on defense, right? Yeah, I mean, Michael McMorris is a sophomore, yeah. right? Um, and uh, Diego is a sophomore, right? Uh, Fago and Tama Tuatelli, like you said, and this uh, Garns kid, um, the freshman uh, free safety, uh, the plebe is, is starting to play. So you're starting to see this, like, this creep in. You're getting this really good balance. And all of a sudden you, like, take a step back and you're like, you know, holy crap, like, this is a team that, that is – we're seeing playmakers, freshmen, sophomores, um, and and they're they're just getting you're just getting a lot of contributors, um, and and so I think that I don't know it's it's making me more excited with each week, not just for this season, but um, for beyond 2019. And obviously, we don't know how long we'll be able to keep Brian Newberry around, but for as long as we have him, um, thankful only five games in that he's our defensive coordinator right yeah, now. Yeah, so. obviously, I'm going to keep him <laughs> for as long as possible, whatever that is. But I also think that Navy has been. The Navy we knew was such like a, a bend but don't break, sit back kind of defense that now this new identity has emerged that and I'm not, I want Newberry to stay obviously forever if he's able to do this. But I think no matter what, the defensive philosophy has maybe shifted or if Coach Ken's now is going to still be at the helm or whoever it is, is going to realize like this can still work, right? Like 10 years ago, you didn't think this was an option for Navy football. But, and I, you know, I'll give some of that uh, credit maybe to, to Army football, right? And what they've, what they've yeah. been able to yeah, do, and uh, I think Navy kind of Navy adopted that a little bit, right? So, no doubt, and I and I think that if you look um, at what that just does, f- removing pressure from the offense, and I'm not saying that's the reason for the offense kind of figuring things out this year. I think Malcolm has actually developed, and I think that we're just we're seeing a you know. Um, I, I don't know, you know, Ivan being down on the field, I think, is having an impact on this too, and, and things like that. But I think that just the bend don't break always put pressure on the offense that if the offense has a bad game, not going to win. I mean, that's pretty much cut and dry, like how, how you how you feel, at least as a fan, um, that, that that's the case. And so with the defense playing this well, um, you can have a, you can overcome a fumble or, or an interception or something like that, and, and the game's not over um, if you, you know, get behind seven points, ten points, something like that. 
that's just my kind of interpretation so far. So obviously an exciting win. We'll get to the preview um, with USF coming to town this weekend, um, you know, in a little bit. But big win for Navy, 45-17 over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Road victory, like we already mentioned, Memphis lost. So right back in the thick of things in the AAC West race. Um, and, and Navy starting to, to have signs of putting together a really good season this year. So I have a question for you really quick. Um, and this is kind of coming from, I think, a rare person that would care about all service academy sports, and that's kind of where I think that we're at. I don't think that we're necessarily the majority. Uh, but I'm, I'm really starting to put my eggs into the Navy basket because I think it's, first and foremost, if you're a service academy team, the first thing you need to do is win the Commander Chiefs Trophy. That's the most important thing. I think for Army and Navy, they would probably say the most important thing is just winning that Army and Navy game, whatever. Um, but, but now I'm kind of looking down the stretch and I'm like, man, like maybe they could pull off something against Notre Dame and SMU has a ranking. And so my question is, is, uh, does Perry Olsen make you nervous at all? Because I mean, we haven't seen much of him, but just with Malcolm Perry, I think he's kind of a, I don't want to call him a ticking time bomb necessarily, <laughs> but I think he is the kind of guy, like you guys might get into a jam where there's a game that Brian mm-hmm. Newberry is, has put together an outstanding scheme and Ivan Jasper's making great play calls and that kind of thing, and you have the game, and maybe uh, Malcolm Perry needs to come out for a quarter, gets hurt or something. And Perry Olsen, I think, has gotten the short end of the stick on playing time, and he's been put into some pretty precarious situations. Right now he carries a 6.5 QB rating and has only passed for two yards and has one interception. Um, So what do you guys think about that? Do you think there is there another player on the quarterback depth chart um, or you think he's like a pretty viable option? Uh, for one, I think a lot of his passing attempts and everything came in the end of that Memphis game, I believe, when um, they took uh, uh, they took Malcolm Perry out and the game was kind of, I don't want to say over at that point, but they it seemed like they put him in there to throw the ball. And it was, to your point, yeah, a tough, a tough, uh, <laughs> tough go for him in that regard. I think the offense would look a little different with him under there. And I think Coach Jasper and Coach Ken know that as well. So it's tough because we haven't had to see that in action. And I guess I have enough faith in Ivan and Kenny to kind of be able to use that to their advantage. Uh, But I don't think you're going to get any of the explosive plays that you see today. So it would be much more of a grind out scenario, yard by yard, three yard carry type stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's not um, probably at the level now of A.B. or or certainly like a Willworth or something like that. But it's going to be that type of, of quarterback in there. And honestly, like. This may this doesn't make me happy to. I mean, I love Jared Bryant. Jared Bryant was, was you know a classmate of ours, good guy. But like that's kind of the comparison I initially go to is like Kaipo, a little more dynamic. Um, when Jared Bryant had to come in and in relief, you just kind of were hoping to kind of grind out the the victory. And probably right now as a freshman, that's kind of yeah, that's true. What that's you're that's, get a, that's a that's a big point, right? He's a freshman, right? So he's sitting two in the depth chart as a freshman. So there's got to be something there that they see on a daily basis. Yeah, and I, and to your point, I trust Ivan is is the option quarterback whisper um, to to get him ready. But um, I mean, every time he's come in, it's been it, so. If I'm a defensive coordinator, and maybe they already know this, like if when when Malcolm's right shoulder starts to fall off um, in the game, and he has to come sit out for a play, it's going to be the fullback dive. Like that's that's what it's going to be. It's been that almost every single time that Perry Olson's come in for one play, because um, they're not going to do anything to. To give, you know, they're just they're they're hoping that it's just a play, maybe two plays, and then Malcolm's back in there. Even if it's a series, it's going to be like almost considered a wash. Just don't turn the ball over, and then we'll get Malcolm back in there. To your point, the the Memphis game, 
he'd come in a couple of times, but it was just that one series really at the end when it was out. And then the Holy Cross game was really the only other like big action that he saw. And that was that game where they rotated, they rotated three quarterbacks every single play, which was like a really weird thing. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be, I would be concerned. Uh, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be worried if he, if he has the, if the game isn't, in Perry Olsen's hands uh, at this point. Um, I just, I don't, it's just like the defense coming in this year. Like, I just don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. So um, if it's, you know, in the fourth quarter in South Bend and Malcolm Perry, like his, his right arm officially falls off of his body, then, then yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in, in a comeback victory or something there. I don't know. Does that, does that answer your, your question or at least give you our take yeah. on that? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's fair. I, I just wonder if there's something up, like kind of up their sleeve because it's like right now, seriously, I look at this Navy team and I'm like, let's not just settle for you know a middle of the road performance in the AAC and and maybe just win the Commander Chiefs Trophy. Like, let's see how far this can go and and really have a plan, have a bunch of different strategies if that does kind of happen because I think there's a decent likelihood that Malcolm Perry might need a backup, and so I wonder if they don't even have like. I don't know a wildcat or something crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure they'll. We'll, yeah, we'll, I we'll hope, see when I we get to that point. But, <laughs> and to your point, those two, Scott. I think it's an interesting. I think that um, after this coming week, perhaps um, we might end up seeing three out of the next four um, Navy opponents be ranked um, ranked teams if Tulane is able to go into Memphis this weekend and beat Memphis. Um, I think we we. More than likely, possibly see a ranked Tulane football team at that point. Um, and you know, between Tulane, Notre Dame, and SMU as three of the four games, um, you know, coming up after USF, like that's a tough stretch. If Navy comes through that two and one or three and one, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, then we're talking a really, really impressive season. And and um, yeah, I mean, so it's, yeah, so I mean, there's just there's there's a lot out there still to be to be played for. And so I don't know what I don't know what the backup the backup plan is hopefully we don't get to that um so okay break time let's take a break we'll come back we'll talk uh air force football air force fresno state game scott will fill us in there's been more kind of extracurricular stuff happening <laughs> post that game that we can discuss um comments by troy calhoun and then uh, we'll get into army and uh, and we'll let kayla kind of lament on what the heck is going on with army football this year so we'll be right back all right, welcome back to the Against the Enemies podcast. We just got done talking about Navy's 45-17 victory over Tulsa in Oklahoma this past weekend. Um, and then they'll be welcoming the USF Bulls to town. But now we're going to switch gears and talk Air Force football. Um, a a pretty big victory. I'm not going to let Scott talk talk to the victory, but uh, you know, a 19-point victory, I guess that is, uh, over the Fresno State Bulldogs um, in what is typically a you know pretty good game, I think. I feel like in the Mountain West Conference between two teams that are usually pretty pretty closely matched. Um, and, and once again, I'll let Scott get into the game, but my, my just initial take on the game, um, having only caught you know kind of glimpses of it, um, it on Saturday, was just the way Air Force put together a second half and, and kind of was able to put together in some ways like a complete game. And um, even though it was they were actually down right at, at halftime, but to really just dominate the second half, it's just that was the, that was the big takeaway for me. Um, coming off of the, the loss to Navy, like then you're down at halftime, but man, what a response in the second half. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the on the game this past weekend? So going into this game, obviously Air Force is coming off of two losses, two really painful losses. 
big losses that that changed the course of the season um, in a lot of ways. We no longer control our own destiny in the Mountain West um, as far as Boise State with that loss. And then um, now there's no possible way for Air Force to win the Commander in Chiefs trophy um, with the loss to Navy. So in a lot of ways, I think, and it all comes down to perspective, right? What, what makes a season successful is a pretty subjective point. To me, um, there's a lot of doom and gloom, I'll be honest. I thought after last week I, I would feel a lot better um, about the Navy loss. I really don't. Once again, I said I, I think that it was a game that we should have won. Um, I'm not going to say we like threw it away or anything like that. It, Navy's, Navy's a very good team, as we've seen. Um, but it, it stings, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, if not now, then when? When are we going to do it? Because... I think we have all the tools in terms of, of personnel and coaching staff to get the job done, and, and it just didn't. So going into this game, kind of getting the season back on track, um, it's a really tough three-game stretch. Right now we have Fresno State. Next week we have Hawaii, and then the week after that we have Utah State, and then we wind down the season a little bit. Well, then I guess you, you want to say that Army's a relatively tough game, but that's kind of up in the air after what we've seen from them this weekend. Just slide that um, in there. And then we, right. Well, I mean... <laughs> You know, it's nothing against nothing against Army. It's just uh, kind of like you want, like the that meme that's out there, like poking Army, like, hey, do something. <laughs> uh, oh my God. But the stick yeah. figure so one then, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So then we and then obviously we close out the season with the, the little easy stretch of games with New Mexico, uh, Wyoming, and Colorado State. So it's it's a really interesting time, and I think right now to come out and get the win, it's a good thing. It means that our hopes are still alive of something of a bowl game. And it looks like we're going to be able to get into a bowl game projected for the armed forces bowl. Um, and this Fresno state team looks to be really underwhelming and it's crazy to think that it's week seven. And this was really Fresno state's first game against an evenly matched opponent. They had two FCS games that they won uh, pretty handedly. And then they lost um, two power five games to USC and Minnesota. So it was the Jorge Reyes show in the first half. Um, Air Force just didn't really have a way to stop him. He was just making passes at will through. At the end of the game, he threw for 209 yards, completed 20 of 27, which is a pretty ridiculous stat. Had two TDs, and then uh, in the second half, he had a, a pick six to Kyle Johnson. Um, he was called a dual-threat quarterback. We didn't see that at all in the game. He ended up um, rushing for minus 13 yards, which was good for Air Force. That's the wrong way. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it kind of, I guess it kind of looked like that play of the high school kid tackling his own teammate. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. He ran backwards on an interception. It. Yeah. Um, but it, it was all, a lot of good things. We were missing Jeremy Fendulum, um, and then we had Timothy Jackson, who came out and had a, a statement game, um, one of the biggest of his season, and he has not been one of the starters, so... Once again, just showing that depth. We have it. It's there. Um, we have a lot of tools in the running toolkit. Um, and, and Donald Hammond looked pretty good in his own right. He threw a 53-yard bomb um, to Benjamin Waters, which was, you know, great to see. And uh, But Timothy Jackson carried 20 times, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Taven Berto had a touchdown. And then Donald Hammond had two rushing as well. Um it, but it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, what did we learn? You know, the, these are the little points that you want to see the nuances of the game where it's like, well, where was that against Navy? And where was that against Boise State? Um, so that, that just kind of hurt to think about kind of what could have been at this point. Almost had the 50-burger, um, ended the game 43 with the ball in our hands. We went on a crazy, crazy 11-minute drive to close out the game. Um, and I think we ended somewhere around on like the 12-yard line or something like that. Um 
So just a dominant performance by Air Force against a team, a Fresno State team that was supposed to be really good this season, and it's just looking like they haven't lived up to their expectations. Um, so, so, yeah. So that's, l- that's let me at least, for because I know that you're yeah you're still a little Debbie Downer. I mean, their losses to their Power Five. I know USC is not USC, but they, you know a, a, a one possession loss to USC. They took an undefeated Minnesota team to overtime. Um, and then obviously lost to Air Force, and then yes, the other games are Sacramento State, New Mexico State. Um, but you're right; that's probably the only game that they should have been evenly matched, and and they got beat worse than they should have. But I mean, who knows how they end up, you know, down the road? But they certainly will probably still, I would think, make a bowl game. Um, and and so it's it's a big win. I, I think you made a good point about Timothy Jackson because you brought him up well, it was two podcasts ago because I wasn't here last week um, about kind of. You know the way he had 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 stepped in and, and played well, um, and so to see him kind of emerge and a lot of the same cast obviously on defense, um, and I don't I mean I'm not trying to like this is not me trying to rub salt in the wound but you said kind of the what if and that's like my first kind of thought is like if you take away that last drive um, with the for in the Navy Air Force game with the crazy C.J. Williams catch and you know Malcolm like. Turn it, flipping upside down and, and obviously scoring and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you take that away at the end of the game and 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 the defense gets a stop right, and then you're sitting here at five and one, you lost to Boise on a Friday night, and you've seen what you've seen as far as the capabilities from the rushing, you know, backfield. Hammond still making plays, and and I think the biggest receiving threat um, by far of, of the three service academies in Gerard Sanders, um, who I looked at it earlier and I, I don't have it pulled up right now, but. Um, he's like, he's in the top like 10 or 15 receivers in the country as far as yards per catch at like 21 yards per catch or something like that. Um, and having a great year. I mean, he's just a, he's a really big threat. I mean, it would be a completely different story, right? If it wasn't for that one final Navy drive that, that, you know, cemented that win. Is that a fair, fair statement? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why it, it just, uh, it looking I, I what I really like to pinpoint is just like what's the reason and what I saw out of that game is it was it came down to coaching um and I think that the Navy coaching staff for whatever reason has been able to take their players who like I said I, I've I've said this nonstop. I I still think that Air Force has the most talented players out of all three service academies um but you want to talk about optimizing the talent that you do have Navy is doing a much better job of that it's almost like and this is just a, a crazy hypothetical, but it's like, what if we just took the coaching staffs and switched them and gave uh, <laughs> gave Air Force the coaching the Navy coaching staff? Like, what would we just be this insanely dominant team right now? I I don't know, but um, yeah, I, uh, it's still it's just like a I lot decline of that offer for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, man. Like I I remain pretty PC and and I feel like in neutral, but I don't want Troy Calhoun as my head coach. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that right now. Yeah, but record. but even then, when I've when I've looked back and and this is I think since doing against all enemies, it's given me a chance to really really dive in and look at what he's doing. It's so easy just to take him face value at press conferences and and see his lack of talking to the media. But the the things you can look to for Troy Calhoun is like his hires and just the 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 players he's able to recruit. And speaking to that, it's like the guy knows what he's doing at the end of the day. I think it's kind of he can't get out of his own way or is unwilling to. Um, just because of, I don't know, I, I don't know if it comes down to the tenure or he feels like he's been burned or he feels like there's people who are against him or he doesn't have all the tools that it takes to, to succeed as a coach, but I don't know what it is, but I, I just, I feel like he gets in his own way a lot of the times um, and it just stinks. 
It really does. Yeah, I mean, I have my own personal opinions, but I, I think it's a lot of, of selfishness in, in, in all honesty of just kind of like at the end of the day, he's going to look out for number one. And once again, that's just me, the Navy fan, like from a completely outsider perspective of like when things start to just aren't on like the most firm foundation um, that that it becomes deflection and no, like, we're not we're not in the right conference or we're not where we should be and um i wish we had a, a direct line to the nfl and you know we don't get red shirts even though we have a prep school and all this kind of stuff right like it becomes somewhat like excuses and um and just this like magic show of like deception and 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 misdirection and things like that so yeah i agree with that i th- no, the, the one thing I want to say, is, it's just like how much stuff is he actually not saying? And that's what I kind of wanted to go, what I do think about, because I agree with that, but it's like how many things does he hold close to the chest? If you think about the roller coaster that he's had of athletic directors and kind of inquiries and inside, I mean, it has been crazy. And this is just a rabbit hole I, I don't even want to get go down right now, and I know you guys don't want to, but like... The whole thing a few years ago where OSI was was sending informants into parties with football <laughs> players. It, it's, it's crazy. I mean, some of the stuff, it's like you could make a movie out of it. And so for him to have these people kind of maybe going against him, I get maybe where he's coming from. Um, but, but I definitely agree with you that I think there is some of that there where it's like, well, at what point can you – you know, care more about your team and more about your alma mater and say it's it's time to move on. So I don't I don't know. Okay, what were you gonna say? You had oh a question? yeah. So uh, one thing I did look it up um, just for yards per reception. So Gerard Sanders is 15th in the country with 363 total uh, receiving uh, yards. But I did want to ask, and, it, and Scott had mentioned kind of like this game, especially coming after the loss to Navy, is like what did we learn? Do you feel like watching that second half kind of either opened your eyes to anything about kind of the the duality or kind of what this team can do? Because I really felt like really special teams, right, your kicker and defense kind of held the team together against the Navy game. And if that last, you know, 22 seconds or so hadn't happened with Navy, like it, it was kind of like the ball was – it was almost going to be a turnaround game um, thanks to the defense once again. And it almost was – it kind of was like they executed actually this time around and came out with a victory. So I don't even know – um, if, like you said, do you guys know anything new? Did that tell you anything um, about the, the strength I, of the I, team? Yeah, I mean, this it's the sentiment. I, if anything, it secures the sentiment of what I had before the Navy game, that I think that we're the, a fantastic team. I think we are we have crazy depth of talent, and I think that these guys play play their hearts out. But at this point, it's kind of like a, a woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, the, the two biggest games on our schedule are now behind us. And now I think we're kind of like scrambling to reconfigure what the goals are for the season to to find any kind of success in it. Um, if you wanted to make to prove that, I think we had to do it against Boise and Navy. And it's like now we have Army. Cool, we can beat Army, who looks on. I mean, just calling it like it is, looks worse and worse every week, and looks like they're kind of crumbling from what their their original game plan was. And it's like. Now we go on to play Utah State and Hawaii, and if we can pull those wins out, which just scheduling-wise, back-to-back, those are extremely tough. Um, so it's like, yeah, it, it's good. I mean, I can't hang my hat in the end of the season on a Fresno State blowout, really, is what it comes down to. So, um, 
Yeah, I think there's a little bit of vindication, but it's like the damage is already done in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, that is tough, right? Like, when you when you see the capabilities and talent that you already knew was there, you've been preaching that all along, but, like, to see it on kind of full display in a dominant second half and an overall dominant game for the most part um, against what will probably end up being a, a you know, 6-6, six 7-5 six, team um, in Fresno State, but just to be – like, the, the woulda, shoulda, coulda. It's hard. You, you can't ignore that. You can't, like, just pretend like – that's not going to be the the emotional reaction to that is like well i mean yes yes we knew what we had now how why are we not you know making the most of that i guess uh and so i mean anybody in that position is going to be like okay great kind of um this is good glad to get win number four and you know be closer to a bowl game and still in the mountain west race but man like why couldn't we put the game you know put a complete game together um the week before you know two weeks before or whatever so yeah i mean and the biggest point is that we we don't control our own destiny anymore so at this point what the way it's looking is that boise state is gonna have to lose a game um and on the rest of their schedule like they have some pretty easy teams they have colorado state utah state new mexico wyoming um and san jose state and that's to close out their season and so they have BYU this week, but it's like realistically the the only thing that we can do that can give any kind of semblance of of putting us back in the conversation in my mind is us beating Utah State and Boise State losing to them. And so um, I guess I'll be a big Jordan Love fan um, when they when they go to face off, depending on how we do against Utah State. Well, I'll cheer you up a little bit. The Nats are up two nothing now, so I mean, I I see that that makes me very happy. And against Flaherty, so by the time this comes out, I hope uh, they swept the Cardinals already. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's um, that's enough of the game, I guess. Do you have any comments? So, if you haven't seen, by the time this comes out again, once once again, it'll be several days old. But today, or or I guess in the post game presser, wasn't today. But um, Troy Calhoun mentioned that. Um, basically saying that he didn't think that the Mountain West Conference was necessarily the best place for Air Force is, is the way I interpreted the very short article from Brent Brigaman, um that was very cryptic, only really a couple of quotes. Not even really sure how you make an article out of that um, per se, but uh, that's basically what he was saying. Is like It sounded like at first he's talking like, hey, because of the schedule and having to go to Hawaii and then Utah State, like you said, like kind of setting himself up perhaps for – um, the fact that maybe it's two tough games where you might not be able to win both of them, but then kind of doubling down on just, hey, not sure the Mountain West Conference is, is the best place for us. That was my interpretation. But any, any thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, so the exact quote is, we are in a league where, to be blunt, I don't know if it's the route maybe should go. Yet for our guys, the way they played tonight and the preparation and just the focus all week long was pretty strong, which is really a strong indicator of the quality of leadership that we have. When asked to clarify what he meant by the route they should go, he said, I just don't know if it's really a match. I don't know if it's best. I don't know if. And that's all he said. So, um, yeah, in my mind, I could have taken it a few ways, and we don't have the luxury of seeing the the press conference, but I think it could have meant that either we're too good, because right now, according to the S&P um, rankings, we are second in the, of all Mountain West teams behind Boise State. Um, but at the same time, he's saying that we have a tough road ahead and that maybe it's not the best for us. I was, I've kind of thought about this when you take big picture college football, it seems like, and I mean, 
that the AAC teams and the Mountain West teams aren't exactly happy with where they're at, even the top teams there. It's always constantly a little brother complex with the Power Five, and it's constantly trying to convince everyone that, hey, we could hang with a Power Five team if we wanted to, and no one's just happy with, hey, we're going to win our conference, go to a bowl game, uh, maybe get a New Year's Six Bowl, whatever it is. Maybe Boise State, and I think that that is probably the happiest with where they're at, and that's because I think of the money and the TV deals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they've carved out a nice little niche for themselves. So um, I agreed at the beginning of the season when there was a little bit of talk about Air Force potentially going to the AAC. I was all for it, but then I realized, I didn't walk back what I said, but I realized what I was saying is that I just want... There needs to be a change, and I think that any change at this point would be a good change, and obviously the I didn't want to go directly to calling for Troy Calhoun's job or anything like that, but I think Air Force has a big identity problem in the college football landscape. I think we're in a position where the right person could get us to crack into Army and Navy and truly make it a three-way thing. At the end of the day, it's just still not. And I think that any Army or Navy fan would say that oh, well, it's never going to happen. That's because the right person hasn't come to Air Force and done it yet. I think it's a completely reasonable and possible thing. I think we should, we could push those games later in the season, um, make them at uh, neutral venues and play them in NFL stadiums and, and make the game, even if it's not, even if you're going to say that, oh, the history is there for Army and Navy, you can make the, the Air Force games against Army and Navy on par with that matchup, I believe 100%. And I think that what you have to do in order to facilitate that, is make it an appealing concept for both Army and Navy. And so I don't know if Nathan Pine has been in the position long enough to understand that culture. Um, I don't know if anyone at Air Force even cares. Like uh, That's a, a big problem is I think the status quo. And I, and I look at Troy Calhoun and it's like, you know, he's turned down jobs at Tennessee. He's turned down, uh, supposedly he was being courted by Denver a few years ago. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot more money to be made out there. But if I'm making well just shy of a million dollars a year to coach at my alma mater and have a built-in excuse that i'm coaching leaders of tomorrow and all shucks that's why we lost then you know I, that's that's appealing for some people and it, it might be appealing for somebody like troy calhoun so um i just i have a lot of thoughts and i really i really don't know but it's really interesting that he said that because it shows that he does think about these things on a bigger scale of maybe what's what is Air Force's niche and where are we? Because I don't think it's in the Mountain West. Yeah. Um, but but then the answer is, where do we go? And I don't think independence is a good thing either um, because then that just puts us on kind of a weird, like just into a weird spot. And I, I think that at least Army and Navy, like at least Navy has those ties with, um, like when Navy was independent, they had those ties with Notre Dame and they have those ties with army and, and with army. I mean, I don't even know what they're doing. They're doing their own thing, but at least they have some kind of a strategy. Um, I, I just think it's going to take a lot of changes and I, I think it's going to have to come when, when Troy Calhoun either finally retires or is pushed out for a new coach. And I think it's going to have to take an understanding from Nathan Pine, depending on how long he's going to be at air force. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on all of what Scott just said? I mean, I can comment, but yeah, no. I mean, I I understand what he's saying. Um, it definitely lets uh, maybe like a bird's eye view. I, but when I look at it and pinpoint it, I mean, for 2019, they're they're four and two, and they don't control their own destiny. And I I know that's not what Scott wants to hear, but it could still be a successful season. 
yeah, and there are, and that's the other thing is when I put out my recap article, um, a lot of I the one of the comments that I got was that I why am I so doom and gloom? Uh, we are in that position, and like I said, it's it, to me it's a if not now then when because I don't see our team getting any better. <laughs> I mean, really, I I don't see us being in a better situation than we are now with Donald Hammond with Gerard Sanders, um, with the defense that we've had. I mean, obviously. We could be in a completely different situation right now in terms of depth um, if we had Saucier and if we had Cole Fagan. Um, maybe, you know, Cade Ramsberg or Taven Berto would be a, a running back or something. I don't know. Maybe we'd have that. But it's, like I said, it's a if not now, then when. So if this is the best, the absolute best that we can do, then I don't want it. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, it's 4 nothing Nationals now. So, I mean, just, just hang in there, all right? Um, all right, we're gonna come back and and talk uh, talk army after this, and um, and then we'll kind of finish up from last week. We'll do quick kind of look ahead at the, at each team for this week. We'll make that um, quick, uh, and then apparently we might have some uh, some some Twitter questions out there, Austin. People are giving us some questions. I got, there. Cu- I got a couple. The podcast? I got, I got three right. or so now. Okay. All right. So we got a few questions. We might be able to, to get in there um, at the very end. So we'll be right back. We'll talk Army Western Kentucky. More demon going. We can be uh, shorter with the previews for this week too. That's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Was we'll we'll be we'll make the each one fairly quick. Um, and of them, I'd like to focus on Army Georgia State the most probably because that's the well. I mean, Air Force Hawaii is a big game too. Uh, Navy USF could be a good game too. So I mean, they all could be. But, um, anyways, okay, ready to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we've covered Navy. We've covered Air Force. Now we're going to cover Army's game last week. Um, I did not watch any of this game. Um, but I'm glad. Kayla, Western Western Kentucky. I mean, I was keeping up with the score um, while I was walking around Magic Kingdom. But but seventeen to eight. Um, Army came dangerously close to getting shut out um, in this game for the first time in, in a few seasons. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so give us your takes on the game. Um, where do we stand with Army football? I know from kind of the outsider's perspective and even just, you know, running the site and things, it has been a lot of like, okay, well, we still pulled out the victory um, against Rice, but it was it was not what we expected. And then – well, we we put we pushed Michigan to the edge, but still wasn't a complete game. And then okay, UTSA like they hung around longer than they should have, but then we pulled away. And same thing with Morgan State, and then Tulane like, you know that was a game. Tulane's a really good team, and it's just like every week. Like personally, I feel like we're making excuses for like when is this team gonna like show what we expected them to be, and maybe they're just not mm-hmm. the team that we expected them to be coming into this year. That's where I stand. So I'd love to get your take. No, I I definitely could see that, and I think. From, you know, watching the game, of course, following Twitter, um, Army fans on Twitter, I feel like this season, like like we had mentioned before, coming off of last season, is they're expecting these, like, blowout victories every single... Undefeated. That was the expectation this yeah. season, was undefeated. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I mean, like, we're going, we're going to be Michigan in the big house, and other than that, like, pff, we're running the table. It's it's an undefeated season, or maybe one loss if we lose. The yeah, game. there's a very, just, like, aggressive... Uh, for lack of better terms, I think attitude amongst Army fans about just like we're coming in this season swinging, like just out the gate. Um, and like you said, they're not living up to expectations and not even just like 
you know, meeting those expectations. But there are some questions about, um, you know, this team as a unit um, and kind of what they're looking like. I think this game in sort of weird oddities is, is mirrored like I was watching the Morgan State game. I was just confused. I wasn't really sure who I was watching. It was almost um, interesting to look at um, kind of the game recap and numbers because I feel like um, Western Kentucky and Army almost switched in, in terms of, you know, statistics that they usually, you know, put up in Army is, you know, averaging usually around 270-something rushing um, yards, and that's what, you know, Western Kentucky did. And here we have, you know, their defense – um, holding the Black Knights to, to dang near nothing. Um, and, you know, the first four drives were, were punting. It's just, it was just very odd, um, just odd play calling from what I was seeing. And, and they just got outplayed, but they got outplayed on their own game. I mean, they um, held the ball for longer. Um, you know, we, like I said, more passing, or excuse me, well, yeah, that was going to be given more passing yards, more rushing yards. Um, you know, we did the things in terms of like, oh, no turnovers and kind of these, you know, very safe like excuses yeah. of like, okay, well, yep. like, but that's that's not it. <laughs> like, you 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 have yeah. to do more than just like not turn over the ball, um, you know, to win the game. Um, so it. it I think that's spot. Yeah, on. it's it's. I think that's a spot on observation with the turnovers because neither team turned the ball over, so like they're not like beating themselves right. from the turnover perspective. Um, continue, but yeah, I mean, I think that that was one of the things I, I took away as well. A spot on observation there that like. They weren't. There was no no interceptions, no fumbles. I mean, they played a clean game as far as holding on to the ball. Yeah, but it's like that was it. Goes, they just <laughs> yeah. Like that that was it. It was just a very, um, just it just seeming strong, but just seemingly lackluster. I was I was really confused, yeah. um, with what I was seeing. I I know, um, and reading some other pieces and kind of conversation is I people wondered like, hey, why didn't we, um, you know, put in our secondary QB? Why didn't we kind of mix some things up? I I truly don't really know. Um, I, it didn't really seem, it, honestly, Ty Story just looked like he was just kind of like in his bag, um, which I mentioned before, like he's, you know, a, he was a transfer. He had a good record before. He was pretty much the only kind of weapon I was thinking about in, in terms of what Western Kentucky had to offer. And that's exactly what they did. Um, but yeah, I, I know a lot of people, um, Army fan, just service academy, you know, uh, fans in general are just wondering, like, this is, uh, Army is steadily on the decline. Um, and people are just wondering what what it is, but I, I've, like I said, it's not the same team as last year, and it's difficult to, to to grasp that. Like I said, use the parody again. Um, I'm a Florida State fan. It's not the same team. This isn't you know 2013, 2014. Um, you know, you're not right. getting back to back championships anymore. It, it, I understand how you are feeling. Trust me, I sympathize. Um, but I, I this game, I just had a lot of questions. They were they were just outplayed. It seemed by their own scheme. It was very odd. Well, what I found, what I have to say is like, so Kaylee, you brought up the the no turnovers, but I think it's very important to note that what Jeff Munkin had said about his goals is that they all have to be in conjunction with one another. Yep. And so that is, that is playing the statistics when when it comes oh, God. to the down. I was gonna, I was going to talk for you, Scott, so you could remain humble because Scott kind of <laughs> I, I'm just going to say like you kind of you you predicted a lot of what has happened transpired this season mm-hmm. that eventually this would catch up to army right and if you want to brag on yourself you can or i can brag on you whichever way you want to go with this i'll let you know. <laughs> no no i i don't i don't want this to happen no, 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 I'm not i don't saying like you, I know, by, i'm saying that yeah yeah but by no means you, so I, but you definitely said like eventually um i mean you you were saying what i probably 
would look at the statistics and read and, and think, but probably wouldn't come out and say at the beginning of the season because, honestly, as an A fan, I might be scared to say that coming off of the season that Army had because I knew Army's defense was going to be as – and the Army's defense is still playing yeah. great. They're Army's holding the still really that's, good, that's, right? that's literally what I wrote in the recap is they, they literally held the team together. Um, and like you said, it we had this very you know simple – not simple in, in execution, but like how Scott had said many times, like you have um, this, you know, combination of this is how we win games, and it's very methodical, um, you know, put together. And if one falls off, it, it's just not, it's not going to work. And if you don't have, yeah. you know, that's what I'm saying, like some trick play, something to pull out, like to mix it up, then like if that's all you have, then and that's all you got, and what happens when other teams start getting better? Um, and you, you have this same kind of combination to go off of. It's not really going to up the ante, and it kind of seems, um, I hate to say it, um, like how Scott has slowly predicted uh, that's what's happening. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, so Scott, right, you were one of the first people to say, if not the only person to throw out there, like Kelvin Hopkins' passing numbers, not actually very good, right? Like he's not a very good thrower um, when you don't have that element consistently and you're not running the ball down someone's throat to where that can open up every now and then for a big play like we had a few times or several times last year I mean when you're being held to 137 yards rushing against Western Kentucky that's you're not gonna win that game like that's just not gonna happen with Army and you've made the point about just and you can elaborate more on it if you want of just kind of like the the simplicity of the offense and and when it gets kind of constrained and bottled up um, where does Army go from there and they don't really appear to have an answer for that on offense right now. Yeah, I mean, the most staggering stat to me in a game like this is is letting Western Kentucky control the ball for 38 minutes. That's that's not that's not good at all. And like I said, it's that when you have a plan that that that's that simple, it's it's the hardest thing in the world to to consistently do it. Not just for one season. I think it's impressive enough that they've been able to do this for three seasons. But when Jeff Munkin comes in and says, hey, guess what? I'm your savior. Follow me. I have a six-year plan where we're going to you know, create this schedule and we're going to run the tables on it, prove to everyone that we're really good, and then we're going to start loading it up with tougher teams. And then we deserve a ranking and all this stuff. And it, it stinks. And, and you think about it when they come in with these high expectations – it, this season has to look like an uh, an absolute utter failure at this point, and I and I'm thinking well, like what kind of what kind of pressure is there maybe on Jeff Munkin, and he's still considered a great coach, but like I would be scared almost. Is he going to jump ship at this point? And we talked about it offline last week. I mean, Lovey Smith, it's looking like a good a good idea to buy him out, and if he can get paid three to four more t- three to four times more than what he's making right now. Those jobs look really, really appealing. And so I, I think that what scares me is that he made all these promises and now four years in, it's like, okay, the ship is sinking. I'm going to jump off. Um, I mean, it, my, really, where do you go? And now Army's almost worse off than they were before. My my biggest take, and I'll let Austin talk to because he, I'm sure he has something to say, and then Kayla can bring it back around to finish. But my, you kind of alluded to it, but my biggest take is that something that – I, and I'm a Clemson fan. Someone that Dabo always says, like, it's hard to win consistently in college football, right? Like, and that's the biggest thing I'm seeing is, like, Arm, I feel like Army as a fan base and maybe the team themselves kind of got this thing of, like, oh, we've got this train rolling. Like, it's just going to keep rolling. And so when you look at teams that have been able to consistently, um, you know, perform and, and win eight games a year and you kind of talk to the – even at Air Force, right, with, like, Troy – um, of some of that consistency and does it kind of become complacency? Obviously, Navy had tremendous success in the early you know 2000s um, of just winning 
consistently. And like, I think that army, I think this is a wake up call for army. Like it doesn't just ha- like, you don't just like start this two year momentum and all of a sudden, like, boom, you're going to go 12 and 0. Like it's really, really hard to, uh, to win eight, nine, 10 games a year consistently. Um, and I think that's what they're finding out this year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my, my take on it is uh, kind of similar to all that. I mean, if you look at like a five-year window right now, Army is sitting pretty good in terms of where the Army football program is, right? Like if you look at like a five-year window in terms of, you have to go back decades to find an Army team that's done as well as they have recently. You could say the same about Navy, right? Maybe the last five or ten years. Like this is the best decade of Navy football ever. And so like you're, you're living in these good moments. So, you know, if three and three is a dumpster fire, then, then <laughs> it's a pretty... Pretty good place to be. Um, so taking a step back, sure, this is a disappointment. They're probably not going to go ten and three this year, which is I think what we predicted. And you know, maybe it's a seven or eight win season. But if it's a bad season and you're still making a bowl, like that's good for a service academy team. I think it's good for a service academy team in general, right? But I don't think that's what Army fans want, and I think that's what we had kind of pointed to so many times. Like it's not, it's just not good enough. Um, for, I think, um, the fan base, I think the team itself, I think Coach Munkin, which I understand, like, you want to win. I, you Like, you want the most winningest team. I totally understand. But that doesn't seem plausible. So It's it's not realistic, though, yeah. I mean, for, to Austin's point, for a service academy team. And I think it's what Army, because Army hasn't, uh, and this isn't men as a dig, it's just they haven't had this level of the opportunity for sustained success in so long that it just kind of got in there of, like, Okay, what's the next step? Whatever, um, ten and two or whatever it was last year, right? Eleven and two. Um, what What's the next step? Um, well, and obviously that's you know going undefeated and running the table this year. And our schedule, you know, we made fun of plenty of times on the show. Um, and it's just it's not realistic to do, to do that over and over and over again as a service academy. And so, it, I mean, to Austin's point, like you can look at it as the sky is falling, or you can look at it as like, hey, we're gonna get to seven wins, maybe even eight wins or something like that still have the CIC to play for, for sure. Um, we'll be in both of those games probably. And and the season still has plenty of positives. And if it's an eight-win season for Army, like if that's what you average out over a yeah. five, six, seven-year period, like you have to consider that, uh, you know, the best period of Army football in a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, One thing that is good for Army, what I will say, is that their schedule is already figured out for the next couple of years. So it's like – at least moving forward, even if this season ends on a lower note, because I I look at the rest of their schedule and it's maybe not as easy as no, I agree with you. Yeah. I was we, to get into that. Yeah. kind of thought. I mean, so they've still got to play. They've still got to play Navy, who's hot as ever, an Air Force team who you never know what you're going to get. I mean, are you going to get the team that that can beat Colorado, or are you going to get the team that you know uh, struggles with some lower teams, or but. Um, uh, and then obviously Hawaii um, as well, which is yep. going to be a really tough game. And even in these next two, I mean, if they're going to lose to Western Kentucky, Georgia State, who's played pretty well this season. Yeah, I want to um, say Georgia State's I mean, like four and two or something like that. I, I think they're only three and three. three and but still, I mean, like still playing pretty well and, and has a power five win. And then um, no, in San Jose State. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and, then, and then San Jose State, who isn't great, but at the yeah. same time, has a quarterback who can tread defenses. That's a scary thing. That's another trap game that um, that Army, if, if they don't get back to bases, if uh, basics, and if they feel like their 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 team is kind of crumbling, could could pose a little bit of a threat. So um, 
But like I said, they, they do have the next couple seasons figured out um, in terms of scheduling. So at least they can look towards that and start rebuilding right away if the season really is on the decline. Or maybe they could pick it back up and, and you know finish on a high note. But I, I haven't seen anything so far that would really indicate that that's going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, we can go jump into the preview, Kayla, if you got any, any thoughts on Army at Georgia State, but they're going to travel to Atlanta to, to take on Georgia State this weekend. Um, and just like Scott said, this is a tougher game, certainly, than we thought at the beginning of the year. Um, this is a team that's 4-2 and two that has some kind of curious losses and some curious wins, if you will. Like, they beat, obviously, Tennessee mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season, um, a close loss to an FCS team in Furman, a blowout loss to Western Michigan by 47 points. A loss to Texas State, you know, was not very good. But then they rebound and beat Arkansas State by two touchdowns, and beat Coastal by ten points um, this past weekend. So, uh, I mean, if I was to come into the beginning of the year and tell you that, you know, you're going to enter this game and uh, you're going to have uh, one team in the top ten in rushing yards per game between these two teams. You would have probably told me that was the Army, the yeah. Army, right? Yeah, but definitely. That's some... <laughs> it's not. <Yeah. laughs> it's Georgia State. Well, actually, I think Army is number 10, but uh, Georgia State is, is eighth, I believe. So, they're, I mean, they're averaging 253 yards per game on the ground. This is going to be a tough game, right? So, no, I, I agree. I think um, you had touched on it before, even, you know, last week. Um, and this is, another, this is another road game for them, which I also think can, can definitely, you know, be something of note because I'm, you know, coming off of, um, off of Western Kentucky – um, they were home for Tulane, but like you know, I I think this could possibly get to them if they really don't get it together. I think um, Dan Ellington, you know, if he had a really a, an okay passing game, uh, you know, this past weekend, um, I think they're running back and wide receivers. Like I said, I, it, it could be a weapon. I think if Kelvin Hopkins just doesn't really get it together with the communication, I think our issue is we don't have as many weapons. Um, ask some of these other teams in turn in, in terms of, of wide receivers and, and kind of getting comfortable, kind of mixing things up. We know that service academies aren't pass-heavy teams. Okay, well, well, my just perspective from an outsider, we just got to get over that. Because um, from what I've seen in the past couple weeks, like at least from, you know, against Western Kentucky, you're going to have to, it looks like you're going to have to do something a little bit out of the ordinary, especially for, for this Georgia State team. Because um, I think they could pull out a win, especially, you know, and they're um, not at home. And I think um, they could kind of get under their skin a little bit more. And I haven't really seen anything, um, like I said, from this last game that was overarching in terms of, of really big issues. It, it was just like they just got outplayed by their own game. Um, it's like not really any big mistakes. They just like, you know, not as not controlling the ball in possession, um, not making these touchdowns, not completing these passes. It's like this is something that Army fans and we just know that, you know, Army usually does. So if they're not going to, um, you know, I guess come on kind of their end of the play and, and deliver what they know best, it's, it's going to be a takeaway. Yeah, and, and so a tough game for sure for Army. And I, I would go as far as say this might be like kind of the turning point game of the season either way where you're sitting at six games in at 500, three and three, um, and you've got a tricky game against San Jose State like Scott said, and then you start – You've got Air Force for the first leg of the CIC for Army, and um, this is a game where you kind of either go below or you get back above 500, and you kind of turn things around, um, have a a statement win, or at least put together a a solid win, um, or you continue kind of on a three-game losing streak, 
and have that tricky game into Air Force, like things could start to get bad. Yeah, they're going to beat UMass. They're going to beat VMI. Those are two guaranteed wins. Um, but if they lose this game, um, and like Scott said, never know against Air Force. That's going to be a tough game. It's at Air Force. Um, even if they beat San Jose State, they could be, you know, sitting the six wins, but they only have they have two FCS wins, right? And then you're coming into the last two games of the year, and things. I don't know. I don't know. Things could get out of hand. Um, a little bit for their season at that point, so I just think it's a big game. Scott, let's uh, let's talk Air Force Hawaii. Any big kind of thoughts, uh, really quickly on that game? I know Air Force is traveling to Hawaii, so that's always uh, a difficult thing to make that trek um, to go play them on Saturday. But what are you looking for in this game? Uh, minus three spread for Air Force. FPI has Hawaii winning fifty nine percent chance. A true pick'em. In my mind, uh, Cole McDonald has been just playing out of his mind this season. Hawaii has two Power 5 wins. Um, I mean, it really depends on what kind of Air Force team is going to show up. Um, I really don't know what to expect. I think Air Force has what it takes to win. I think Air Force also has what it takes to lose early. Um, so it's it's a huge we'll-see game. And if you want to look at past performance of Air Force, there's really nothing that would indicate anything um, based on our losses to the two biggest games, this is probably going to be the third biggest game on our schedule now. Um, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see if we can play under a little bit more. Uh, well, I say third biggest game. I, I think Colorado was pretty big in there too. And I'm, I'm, I guess by doom and gloom, I'm forgetting that that was a win. Um, but it, it's going to be a hard game. I guess one of the intangibles, if I, I absolutely have to mention that air force is going to be breaking out the, C-17 legacy uniforms, not 100% sure why we're doing that on a road game and not against um, Army or Navy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, just wait and see. <laughs> that's really all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for this game. I kind of mentioned that before we even came on here, that that um, of the three games, and they're actually three pretty good games, like uh, Georgia State game, Army game, I'm really looking forward to that too, but also Air Force Hawaii. I just I think that this – I don't know if I'm going to stay up till 2 a.m. Eastern time. I'm going to be traveling back from Washington State that day, so not sure I'm going to stay up for the game. Um, but I'm, but I, I think that's going to be a really close – Just I think it's going to be a good game. Um, obviously, I hope Air Force pulls out a win, but um, like you said, Cole McDonald has been playing well, but Air Force's defense has, has been solid this season, and, um, and I think that they will absolutely score – um, score points. I don't know what the what the, you know what the over under is on this or. Uh, I don't. More than likely, I imagine I, it's pretty high. Yeah, and I would say uh, unless it's crazy high, I would probably go for the over. Um, I just think it's gonna be a good high scoring game, um, and hopefully Air Force pulls out a victory. All right, really quickly, Austin Navy and USF. Any uh, you know m- major things you're looking for in this game? USF coming off of a. Uh, what I would say is a, a pretty decent victory over BYU um, this past weekend, and so maybe now they've won two games in a row, um, and and um, maybe playing a little bit better here uh, of late. Uh, what are you thinking heading into this game? I'm not buying into BYU, so I don't know like how much that went. Yeah, but yeah, I still not... say yes. I mean, they're USF's playing better than they were at the end of 2018, and you know the first couple weeks of this season. Uh, Navy is a open up as a thirteen point favorite, which obviously scares me because if you told me twelve months ago that Navy would be a thirteen point favorite over USF, I wouldn't believe you. Um, but Charlie Strong seemed to lose control of that team or something last year, and just has not been able to rebound it. I actually called this game as like the game to watch 
uh, in the preseason for Service Academy this year because I thought this was going to be the game that was going to be like Charlie Strong on the hot seat. I think the BYU saved him. I think if they lose that one and they come in and like if let's say Navy beat him by thirty, then uh, he could very well have been done at that point. But that's not the situation. Um, USF lost their starting quarterback. Blake Barnett, uh, he has not played the last two games. He's not supposed to be back this week as well. He's more of the passing offense kind of guy. Uh, they have Jordan McLeod in there. He's a freshman who's done well, seems to be maturing, get better and better in each week. Um, but the difference between these two teams, Navy, we already mentioned, 16th in the country for NCAA for uh, total defense. USF is ranked 109th in total offense. They have just struggled to score, struggled to move the ball. Um, they not pass well. They don't. They only average about 150 yards per game on the ground. So the matchup on paper, looking at stats and everything, you've got to favor Navy. Uh, but it's weird to think Navy's a two-touchdown favorite over USF and to be that confident about it. So you're, I'm reserved about it, but everything points to this. This should be a successful afternoon in Annapolis. Yeah, and I mean, it's just I'm excited for this game because I think that if Navy does kind of what they did, Really, the past two weeks, um, then they're setting themselves up at five and one. And who would have thought that coming into this year, five and one, um, getting ready to welcome uh, Tulane for. And, and we've talked about this before about the Tulane. We'll talk next week, obviously, the made up Trident Trophy thing, and just like we we think this is um, the biggest rivalry of the you know of joining the AAC. But like you, if this weekend goes according to plan, that's just setting up for just a great. Um, Great showdown with Tulane coming to Navy, coming to Annapolis the following weekend um, with two teams that more than likely will only have one loss each. Uh, I just uh, I'm excited, hopefully, to get a win over USF and not I'm obviously not looking past them, but just setting up for how that, have, that I mean, Tulane. But isn't game, it crazy thing how much they might have fallen? Like has USF fallen that much in just the last two, three, four years? Like just yeah, tough. Yes. <laughs> See, I, 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 yeah. I, I can't convince myself of that yet. <laughs> yeah. Because the last couple of times, I mean, you've seen them come to Annapolis whenever that was, I guess three years yeah. ago now, four years, whenever that was. I mean, I remember, I think they ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. It was just a, I mean. It, and we had a game in Tampa where Brandon yeah, Flowers I mean, just, I think it was him, just like, just ate us up. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, the back and forth games with them in UCF a couple of years ago. and I, I mean, yeah, they, they have fallen off hard. Um, but we'll see. But, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that this should be a win for Navy and at home too. Um, I like our, I like the way things are going right now um, as far as that goes. So, all right, those are really short previews. We're going to take a quick break to end this, and on the back end, we're going to get a couple of questions, and we'll be done from uh, from Twitter followers apparently. So we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, we're going to do our first ever live Twitter uh, while we're recording questions. Austin knows well, apparently Scott's been looking at him too. I, I don't have Twitter up right now, so uh, I'll be caught off guard with all of the questions but looking forward to uh to what what the the listeners followers on twitter kind of want to hear us answer and this will be fun for us i think to kind of off the cuff uh just answer some questions about what you guys are curious about and thinking about in regards to service academy football so go ahead austin take yeah it so i'll do them in chronological order from when they were asked the first question we had is from gary underscore walker 96 he says, is Army slipping? Navy is clearly on a comeback trail, looking like the best of the Service Academy teams. Who would you pick between Army and Navy right now? If these two teams are playing on Saturday, I'm picking Navy with confidence. Now, not to say I'm going to feel that same way in December, but if they're playing this Saturday, I've I've got Navy by, you know, two touchdowns. Yeah, how could yeah. you not? 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and is Army slipping? I mean, so um, far what we've I seen. I mean, yes, yes this year. they're slipping. But I mean, I don't. Just stay, it's stay the over. course, guys. Yeah, stay, stay I'm, strong I'm out you. there, yeah, please. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think I mean, once again, like to go back to like, it's just really like the expectations were just so yeah. high, and 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 coming off last year, I wasn't gonna say like, oh no, Scott, Scott is bold and daring and willing to say it, and and Gavin and some of the other people on our side are willing to say it. Me, I'm kind of like okay, until you kind of. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't like to get uh, caught, you know, with my foot in my mouth, I guess, type thing. But uh, coming into the year, I was, I mean, they, I mean, they had a lot of pieces back. Um, and, you know, Jay Bateman was going to be gone, but the defense has still played great. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just think it goes back to, like, the expectation cannot be we're going undefeated this year. Like, that's just absurd to think that, like, that's going to be um, our expectation. So uh, are they slipping? Are they going to have a worse record than last year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, are they still a dominant football team um, to be seen? Probably not. But uh, once again, eight wins, great. That's a great season. So we'll see if they can get to that at this point. All right. We'll go on to the next question. Next question is from FCS Nation Radio 1. And this is a, like a, a month uh, too early of the discussion, but I like the question because I had to look this up. How good is VMI and why aren't they ranked? Also, the Kedets do it over 180 degrees differently than all the other military schools on offense. Are they right, or are all the others? So for those who don't know, VMI is sitting at, I think, 4-3 and three right now. Pop quiz, when was the last time VMI had a winning season? Oh. It's been a while. Like, I'm going to guess. 1981. Ooh. So they got a winning record right now. I was looking at their schedule. They've got two winnable games here in the future. What's crazy is they might... Like, not saying that they can beat Army or whatever. That's the discussion down the road. But that game might be, like, a very... They play Chattanooga after that to end the season. That could be the oh, game. Like, game Army might be them. the one. Like, they need to win to try to get a winning season for the first time since 1981. And they might realize, like, Army's not what they were last... You know what I mean? Like, it, it could turn out to be a game, which is just crazy to say. I'm not, I'm not predicting that at all. Plenty of season left. Um, but the other part of the question talking about the offense are they right or are all the others meaning the others are, are the service academies right is this a is this like a do they run a pro style offense or I'm, something? I'm gonna go with my assumption of yes but i honestly he caught us Whoa. off guard or she asked with this question because i was not prepared to talk about vmi tonight i mean i i can't speak to vmi and rankings with the fcs and everything but what i will say is i mean there's high schools that run pro style offenses that doesn't mean that they would be fair better against a college team it's kind of the same thing when you play in the fcs you recruit fcs quality players um just because they can compete well against other fcs teams i I don't think that really says a whole lot when you're trying to compare those apples and oranges um fbs teams versus fcs i mean they lost 17 to 56 again to marshall which is the only fbs game on their schedule so far um that they've played um, I mean, would they have fared better with an option system? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's two apples and oranges for me. Yeah. yeah I, I, so I think to to the to the point of the season, like VMI's having, and I had noticed that earlier this year when they beat ETSU, which I guess ETSU was having a little bit of a down year, but um, they started to have a couple of victories in there, and they had been just like god awful the past couple of years. Um, like just looking back at last year, and the only victory they had on the season last year. Um, was against Tusculum, 
Tusculum? How do you say that? <laughs> Tusculum? I don't know. Tusculum. That was their only victory last That's year. That's the high school down the street. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not even there's not even a picture on uh, here on Google um, for Tusculum. Um, so, anyways, uh, they they've been really really bad. Um, so they're definitely kind of. I mean, to Austin's point, having a good to kind of turn around year. They beat ETSU. Um, they beat the Citadel, um, which I'm sure is a big game for them. Um, and that kind of rivalry between the two kind of state military schools. And then they beat Samford, who is has been a decent team in the past couple of years in the FCS. Isn't that where that um, Pittsburgh quarterback's from? The Steelers guy that played. Yeah, yeah. Duck, Duck Hodges. Yeah, he's like set the FCS record for passing or whatever. They almost beat Florida State last year, Kayla. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm sure you remember that game. <laughs> Sanford did. So. All right, I'll digress. I'll go to the next question. Um, this comes from Sam Blevins17. This is a good question. Is this the best trio of Service Academy quarterbacks playing at the same time we've seen in the last 15 years? Perry, Hopkins, mm. and Hammond can all ball out. I tried to think. I was like, man, well, obviously Keenan was really good, and who was with yeah. him at the same time. And obviously, I think when you look back at Army, it's tougher to, to find, you know, someone who stacks okay. up. Um, I, I was thinking. I got a was was uh, Tibby Jefferson and Ricky Dobbs playing at the same time? Um, well, what was Jefferson was what? He graduated in twelve. So, yeah, yeah, so so did Trent Steelman, and Dobbs was what, eleven. So there's a possibility the three of them are there at the same. But still, I think this is I think this might be the would still be classified as the best trio, like at the same. But yeah, that probably might be the next best. Like in terms of career, you had you had Keenan and Bradshaw, and who was it? 2015. You uh, was that was that Kale Pearson or was that Carson Roberts? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not a bad was, group. It was kind of both of them. It was. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I was taking three, I would take even though I know. Um, Trent, you know, the, didn't have the success against service academy teams. Trent Steelman, Ricky Dobbs, um, it, it, that that's a that's a pretty good kind of combo there. Um, but but probably probably between all three of them, yeah. I mean, you look at what Kelvin Hopkins has done the past couple of seasons. Malcolm's just overall body of work, um, even if not as all as a quarterback. And then what Hammond will probably end up with, you know, when his career is done, um, it'd be tough to tough to find three. Um, as as good as they're having right now. What about teams across the board? We, we kind of threw that out prematurely earlier this year, and now Army is maybe making that not as much of a a, a thought, you know. But the three best teams that went in one season in the last fifteen yeah. years, probably yeah. um, in ever. I doubt it, just because if you look around falcon stadium i mean yeah and gr- granted the the college football landscape has completely changed but there was we used to go to we've been to the sugar bowl i believe like gator bowl like well in we in, had, in one season where like all three teams is are are this competitive um the only time i can think is like 96 army went 10 and 2 navy won the aloha bowl and i think air force actually was the team that kind of pulled up the rear there in, in 96 i don't remember what their their record was that year six and five so still had a winning season um but yeah i mean it's, it's been a while since all three teams um have uh, i would say hopefully pretty likely still to be determined probably on army's front but gonna be bowl bowl teams uh, yeah i mean if you're, if all three are getting and it's it's maybe too early to tell but if all three of them are gonna get you know eight nine wins like i don't know the last time three of them had nine win seasons or something but right We'll see. All right, what else you got? Um, this is a good one. This is from uh, Jordan JD3, John Jordan. What is up with Troy Calhoun? 
How much time you got, buddy? <laughs> yeah, he's. He, I mean, my my. I think my full kind of take on Troy Calhoun is that he's just been there for a very very long time. There's not a lot of other programs you can really point to. Um, you know, other than like how long has Nick Saban been at Alabama? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's been there a while. I don't think it's been as long as Calhoun. But Calhoun since two days after he said, said he's I... never leaving the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think he's been. He feels like he's been burned a few times. Um, I think that he feels like he's been burned by the media um, internally, and I think that there's a lot of things that he wants to say sometimes that he just can't. Um, and so I think that there are a lot of things that that. You know, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of credit for, and I think that what he's done is is pretty impressive in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, you, you've always got to be looking towards the future, and I don't think that right now he has a great five year plan for what he envisions Air Force doing uh, moving forward. And I think that, like I said, it, it's not just him; it's tied back to a lot of the fact that we've had people who are perhaps underqualified to be athletic directors. Um, people who are only there for short amounts of time. I mean, he's really, he's been there through a ton of turnover um, and, and at the academy in general and, and different kinds of leadership from superintendents as well. So um, I think he's just doing what he does. He, he's coaching the way he knows um, and kind of letting the rest fall in line and he doesn't worry him, himself too much with, with outside perspectives and there's some goodness to that in a weird way, as much as I've been really critical of him. But, um, I mean, he is what he is. And I think that it comes down to Nathan Pine and the rest of the athletic department needs to decide if this is, if they do see him carrying out what their vision is. Um, and if not, then I don't know. Maybe it's time to move on. We could probably have our own episode on, on Troy Calhoun, right? We could. So that's a two minute we could. summary. Yeah. Good. yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> yeah. could. I got one last question, unless anyone wanted to add to that. Add to that. No. Nope. Okay. Kayla, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, last question. This is from A Lane 41, Adam Lane. When was the last time Navy's defense was this good? Newberry has these guys balling out. <laughs> I, I don't think I doubt they've ever been this good. I'm sure you can find games in the 60s when there weren't as many yards happening in the game, but uh, in terms of relative to what's happening in the college football landscape, I'd have to say that's it's. It's setting up to be a very good defensive year for Navy football. Are you looking something? I'm looking at Justin here. Looks like he's looking something up. I'm. I, they would take too they long would. to try and actually find <laughs> something, right? But um, I, not of. Let me say this: like, not in my certainly in my Navy fandom. Um, you know, since early 2000s and. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to go back even like in the mid '90s, some good Navy teams, but the defense probably you know wasn't this good. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you're going back to like the '60s, right? Um, and and so I, I, you know, ask a, a Navy historian like Mike James or somebody like that, right? And they, they might be able to give you a, a better answer, um, but certainly not since uh, you know 2003-ish, whenever I started following Navy and became a big fan. Um, this is the best overall complete defense that they've had, and uh, and the fact that it's. You have to think that they're still working out the kinks somewhat because of, of a completely new scheme. It's kind of scary. Um, we've already said we don't know how long Newberry will be around, but um, as long as he's here, we're going to enjoy this because uh, he's clearly good at his job and is getting them. Because that's the thing is like this is the same players we had last year, right? Like um, it's not like we lost a ton of senior 
um, play, playmakers um, off of last year's team that like all of a sudden we have to replace or something like that or people are coming out of nowhere and it's all plebes playing on the team or something like that. Like these are the same people that were on the roster last year. So but, um, it's really, really but impressive. But to your point earlier that you mentioned, like it seems like there's almost a new name we're calling out every week though too of somebody stepping up and doing something. Yeah. So. That's because Newberry isn't afraid to mix up the depth chart. Like he said that after – Week one, like nobody's job is safe any week of the season. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, the senior captain or, um, you know, the freshman that's that's cracked the depth chart. Like the the rotation of people making the depth chart and getting people in there, um, and and I mean, yeah, it's it's impressive. And and I, I, I don't know, I don't really have much else to say. It's, this is it's it's really really awesome to see and um, and starts to get me just even talking about it excited about the fact that um, we're. You know, only five games into Navy season, so having a couple buys early, we still got a lot of football left for them to play, and I'm really excited for for where the season's headed at this point. Great, Kayla, were you gonna chime in something there? No, I, I'm I'm agreeing. Like I said, mentioned after watching the Navy Air Force game and just seeing the defense, like you guys have said, every every you know week it's a new player. Um, I kind of wish Army did some a little bit of that myself, but you know, we all have our we all have our wishes, so we'll see. Hey, 20, 2018 Army, that's what I felt like was happening. So Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that was fun. All right. Was go, right? Yeah, no, it was good. We'll keep keep trying to do that, and hopefully uh, we don't expose ourselves for like lack of knowledge on things uh, in the future, but that's exciting. Keep us on our toes and um, and enjoy that segment. So thanks for, for doing that, Austin, and we will be back next week. Um, I don't know. This, this is an interesting week, I think, where – I'm not sure how, how uh, happy or sad we'll be come uh, come Sunday or Monday of next week when we're recording this because uh, three games that, that could be um, all be competitive, but three games that I think um, all three service academies uh, have a good shot at winning, right? Yeah. Would you all agree with that? It's a decisive weekend for sure. So we'll, we'll catch, you, catch you next week, and we'll be recapping Georgia State, Hawaii, and USF and looking forward to uh, to next week's games. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. Winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. That was for the United States.